Hey, it's Andrew Wilkow. Here's my opening monologue from today's Wilkow Majority on Sirius XM Patriot. Most Trump supporters don't want to come to this rotten cesspool of a city and waste their hard-earned money, you know, on the overpriced hotel rooms and restaurants. Yeah, of course there are going to be protesters down there and there are going to be people getting heated with one another, but you're not going to see. You're not going to see New York City Police Department vehicles in flames. You're not going to see people raiding, looting retail stores. You're not going to see people throwing garbage cans through Starbucks. You're not going to see people clad in black with like weapons and like shields moving in like formation, attacking like targets, but they're just protesters. Somebody should send Alvin Bragg 34 ham sandwiches. So this case, and we have, I would say, some pretty A-list legal guests coming on this program today, including Judge Andrew Napolitano. Later on Salem News Channel, I have Victoria Tensing. And uh, there'll be others. This case that stems from a seven-year-old misdemeanor has now turned into 34 felonies. I'm no lawyer. I don't know. We're, we're awaiting the unsealing of the Trump indictment. I don't know how you go from one out of statute of limitations misdemeanor to 34 felonies, but apparently Alvin Bragg is a pretty magical guy. And the New York-based media is just baiting violence. Lawrence O'Donnell over at MSNBC, we played the clips the other day, is just begging for violence. These are the same people that when rioters were smashing windows and looting all through 2020, were, that were, who said protests are supposed to be nice? Excuse me, I got to do that in my Chris Cuomo voice. Yeah, duh, uh, who said they... That protests are supposed to be nice there. Remember that? As they were smashing the windows of the CNN building in, in Atlanta? No, no, no. They're just attack. They're just making their voices heard, right? It's not like they're attacking us, CNN. Well, they're attacking the building with the big red letters that say CNN on it. And not so much the building to the left and the building to the right. So, kind of looks like they are. I'm over at News Nation now, all right? They. But they've been, they've been baiting the violence. You've got Eric Adams telling Marjorie Taylor Greene that she better behave. Uh, I'm sorry. Have you rode the subway lately, Mr. Mayor? I ride it every day from Rockefeller Plaza to Ground Zero, Fulton Street. Every day. If you think the biggest problem in this city is Marjorie Taylor Greene, you got to get out a little bit more. But now all of a sudden, New York City's not going to tolerate people getting wildly out of control. I mean, unless you're talking about Black Lives Matter or George Floyd or, or Antifa or whatever it is. Who's old enough to remember when Bill de Blasio actually came right out and said that Black Lives Matter had a right to be in the streets? Everybody else, not so much. 
So today is going to be a very, very interesting day here in New York City. And the media, I mean, it's like, it's the heavy breathing. It's like that scene in When Harry Met Sally. They're all Meg Ryan now. And no, I will not have what she's having. Oh, they're going full tubing. They are just so excited. They've never been this excited in their entire life. I mean, every they're just giddy. They're just giddy. Right now, CNN has like eight different people in studio. I don't know how you conduct interviews that way, but okay. They've got Caitlin Collins stationed in front of Trump Tower. They've got another crew down at One Hogan, uh, One Hogan Street, where the uh, the DA's office is. That's where Manhattan gets really narrow. It's a teeny tiny neighborhood. I mean, it's just north of Wall Street. But they're making it sound like what you're about to see is Donald Trump in leg irons. It's funny. My Secret Service source said, look, there'll be no there'll be no um, handcuffs, perp walking, fingerprinting and likely not even a mugshot. And that's so far what we're seeing from what I'm gathering from my sources. Essentially, the Secret Service is going to have a hand, a palm scanner, and they're going to take the president's fingerprints. But in some way, don't you want the mugshot? I mean, I want the T-shirt. I want the coffee mug. I want the ball cap. I want the pin. I want the bumper sticker. This would be, let me tell you something. And I can't take it from my friend Chad Prather. I always give him credit for this quote. He said that masks became MAGA hats for liberals. If Donald Trump gets a mugshot, that's going to become the Che Guevara shirt for conservatives. That's exactly 100% what would happen. And they would be available probably within 12 hours. As soon as that image hits the internet, it's going to be it's going to be the Che Guevara shirt for conservatives. Winesick 695 Patriot 9572874. But these people think this is it. They're finally going to get closure for their Trump derangement syndrome. They they're going to finally get what they knew was coming all along. Or as the New York Times had said, the evidence is essentially that people in Manhattan loathe Donald Trump. Now, before he ran for president, understand this. Trump Tower was a tourist destination. Donald Trump and the Trump family were the kind of people you would see at the Met Gala or a museum opening or whatever, a Broadway opening. Democrats courted the Trump family. They wanted photographs with the Trump family. They wanted campaign money from the Trump family. But as you heard Maggie Haberman, who I don't know where the hell she gets off, that Donald Trump still doesn't have the approval of Manhattan. That he'll always be othered as being someone from Queens. Now, if you've never been here to New York City, and as much as I'm, I'm torn, 
There are things about New York City that I absolutely love, mostly cultural things, like certain bars and certain restaurants. The politics I could do without. There are some places that, you know, could only only be in New York City. And that's, you know, but there's nothing about New York City that I wouldn't leave behind and never return when the opportunity presents itself. But people in Manhattan, it's not everyone, but the plurality attitude is that Manhattan is not only the epicenter of New York City, I mean, City Hall is here, that it's the epicenter of the intellectual universes we know it, save for maybe Paris or London or San Francisco. And Staten Island, Queens, and the Bronx are the others. Those are the outer boroughs, the other people. And because the Trump family made its, well, Fred Trump made his fortune in real estate development in Queens, I forgot Brooklyn, and Brooklyn, that when Donald Trump said it's time to get aggressive and move into Manhattan, the story that we've all seen is that even Fred Trump thought, you're not going to make it in Manhattan. But Donald Trump set his sights on Manhattan. And his first major project was what is now the Grand Hyatt, next door to the Grand Central Station. It was a hotel called The Commodore that had fallen into disrepair. It was kind of aging. And Donald Trump took it over and revitalized it. And you see many of the old New York hotels under the Hotel New Yorker, the Hotel Pennsylvania, and others around Midtown near Madison Square Garden. They've all been taken over and they've all been refurbished, but Donald Trump did it back in the early 80s, making his first big stake in New York City. Then, of course, later, the refurbishing of uh, Central Park and and, and uh, Trump Tower, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But Maggie Haberman, who's really a nobody, has elevated herself because of her employment at the New York Times, you know, former paid spokesperson for the Clinton campaign, that because the New York Times determines who's in, who's out, what's hot, what's not, not that it really does, but they think they do, they've determined that Donald Trump is beneath them. And that Donald Trump still needs, craves, wants their approval. That that is his motivating factor. It's kind of amazing. You take a guy, yeah, I started out with a big advantage in life. But was told by his own father, you'll never succeed in Manhattan. You'll never make it in New York's in, in Manhattan real estate. Not only did he make it, he made himself an icon. He made himself the subject of rap lyrics. Money like Trump, up like Trump. You would almost say he was a second coming of Tony Montana from Scarface. That when you thought about what money looked like, you thought of Donald Trump. I'm surprised the, the Gordon Gecko character in Wall Street wasn't more Trumpian 
Although there is that scene where Michael Douglas talks about the first building he bought and then flipped and made his, you know, started making his fortune. But Donald Trump made it by every metric and went into a presidential campaign after flirting with the Reform Party and, you know, other parties that he was, people thought he would run for mayor or run for governor. Only 46 people in the history of this country have been inaugurated president of the United States. And only one has ever had two non-sequential terms. It's Grover Cleveland. Donald Trump entered a race where there were 17 candidates. 17. And the shoo-in for the Democratic nomination was somebody that had rehearsed for the job her whole entire adult life from the day she entered Yale University. And you want to talk about somebody who was born into advantage? The Rodhams were very well off. But it only matters when you're a Republican. Actually, Donald Trump spent a lot of his life as a Democrat, or at least having to swim in those Democrat waters of New York City. But Hillary Rodham Clinton had climbed every ladder, had made every arrangement, had built every constituent group. In other words, it all added up. What was the what was the phrase they said that she said at the end? I did everything. I was doing everything right, and it didn't work, or something like that. Something that she had said in private to this to the staff that she was getting very upset when it didn't look like she was she had a she had it in the bag, or maybe they just assumed that she felt. I don't remember. But perhaps the most powerful name in the Democrat Party that had bested the Kennedys. And yes, were bested by the Obamas, but had reasserted themselves. I mean, who else but Obama after Obama went two terms? That was it. It was going to be Hillary, the glass ceiling. The woman who played nice as the first lady of Arkansas and the first lady of the United States and then, you know, got her, her, uh, her credentials in the U.S. Senate and then ultimately took the backseat job as Secretary of State. Nothing could stop Hillary Clinton. And some guy who they say is the apprentice guy or the whatever said, hold my Diet Coke. And with this much political experience, that's zero. And barely any campaign funding. Hold my Coke, watch me tweet. Walked right into the White House. And you people call him a loser. Wine 695 Patriot 9572874. You guys couldn't get this guy with the Mueller report. And by the way, this thing was actually included in the Mueller report. This alleged illicit payment to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal. This issue wasn't even picked up by the Mueller team. Not Andrew Wiseman, not Jeannie Re, none of them. And now Alvin Bragg thinks he's got 34 legitimate felony charges to announce today. All right, we're right, they're wrong. That's the end of the story. The arguments on this radio program cannot be broken. Sirius XM Patriot. You can join me live on the Wilkow Majority, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 east, 9 to noon west, on Sirius XM Patriot, channel 125.